You're listening to the Illustration Hour podcast, an interview podcast where I talk to illustrators, art directors, and agents about the craft and business of illustration. My name is Julia Dufosse, and I'm an editorial and commercial illustrator based in Chicago. And I'm chatting with creatives within the world of illustration to learn about their process, the challenges they faced along the way, and how to succeed as an illustrator today. everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Illustration Hour podcast. Today, I'm really happy and honored to bring you an interview with a man of many talents, the multifaceted and gifted Greg Gunn. Greg is a veritable Swiss army knife of creativity. He is an illustrator, an animator, a creative director, and a content creator, an author. Greg holds a day job both as a creative director at the LA agency Blind, headed by the legendary Chris Doe, and as a content creator and author for the education platform The Future, which has one of the most successful design-focused channels on YouTube. But he doesn't stop there. Greg also finds time to pursue personal side projects like illustrating a year of dogs and making weekly animations for his project Mythical Mondays. In this interview, we talk about how illustrators can get started with animation, how Greg's animation background influences the way he illustrates. We go over Greg's approach to ideation, and I found out how Greg maintains a vibrant side project practice while working full-time. It's a conversation packed with useful advice. Greg's thoughts about the intersections between illustration and animation are fascinating. And there's just a lot of value in this episode. You can find Greg on his website, which is www.ggun, that's G-G-U-N-N.com, www.ggun.com, or on Instagram at GunGreg. You can also find the education platform Greg produces content for, which is The Future, on their website, which is thefuture.com, www.thefuture, spelled without an E, dot com. So that's thefuture.com. I also encourage you to check out both Greg's and The Future's YouTube channels. You can find them easily by searching YouTube with their name. And don't forget to check out the show notes for today's episode. After the show, Greg sent me a list of recommended resources that he thought would be helpful to illustrators who want to start animation. So you can find the show notes for this episode at our website. And the URL for those show notes is www.illustrationhour.com forward slash gun. That's spelled G-U-N-N. Illustrationhour.com forward slash gun. So without further ado, here is my interview with Greg Gunn. So Greg, welcome to the show, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with me. Um, To get us started, I want to ask you a simple question um, that I've asked other creatives, and that's, what do you say when people ask you, what do you do? Oh yeah. Okay. So this is like, like the mom test, right? So it's like, Mm -hmm. 
What do you what do you tell your mom that you do? Um, or a stranger. Right. Yeah. Anyone for that matter. Um, that, that's a that's a good question. I think I, I used to say that I am a creative director. And that was a, a kind of broad enough term where people were like, oh, OK. I don't think they have any idea what that means necessarily, but that's that's usually what I lead with. So did you start out calling yourself an animator? Because I know your background is mostly in animation. Yeah, my, my background's really weird. Well, I guess everyone's background is really weird. But here's my weird background. Okay. So I went, I went to school for, um, initially it was graphic design. And then I saw someone's motion reel. And I had no idea what motion was. But I was like, that looks like graphic design. Except it's like animation too. That's way more interesting to me. So I'm going to do that instead. So I went through school um, very heavily focused on kind of uh, digital motion design, animation, uh, even some like visual effects. So I kind of learned the the range of of skills in the that's kind of now used in the motion industry. Um, right before graduating. I had made some short films with friends and this was pre YouTube. So we made a website and we put them up there and, um, someone had seen that and reached out and said, Hey, you know, you guys want to direct commercials. And that had never even occurred to me as a, a, you know, vocation possibility. Um, I'm like, I just like to animate stuff and make fun characters. Um, so literally kind of graduated and then started, pitching, writing pitches, making pitches to direct commercials. So out of the gate, um, I, I guess, yeah, kind of create a director, director. Um, but really what that meant behind the scenes was, you know, we just kind of get to do all the work mm -hmm. and hire our friends to help us do the work and have a lot of fun and try to scrape by while doing so, which we did. And it was a lot of fun. Okay, so you did a little bit of everything, and that was when you had the studio called Three-Legged Legs, right? Yeah, yep. And so you were pretty young. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were, like, I, I think, I remember our first commercial pitch that we put together, it was for a Whiskas cat food commercial. <laughs> <laughs> and that sounds kind of lame, but it was really exciting. No, it doesn't sound lame. It was, it was really like, I, I still vividly remember the pitch, the idea and everything. And, um, it was so fun. I was just like, you can do this for a living. This is amazing. And we stayed up all night and we had a face-to-face -face meeting the next morning. I think it was at Shia Day. We didn't know who Shia Day was. Um, didn't know who any were <laughs> the people were that we were meeting with. And they're like, I think relatively important people there. Um, so we showed up at like, you know, 10 a.m., which was might as well have been 5 a.m. for us, um, completely sleep deprived. This huge printed out pitch, you know, it's like you know, white type on, on black background. You couldn't read it. It was a terrible print. We're just like, OK, here's our idea. Um, and we just had to like get through it. And there were such good sports about it. I, I think one of us might have drifted off. But yeah, that, that was the, the very first thing. And that was before we graduated. So that was like. I don't know, a few weeks, I think, before um, official graduation. Okay. Um, so 
did you really think of yourself as an animator at heart at the time? Or did you think of yourself more as, because I guess for people who don't really know, what's the difference between motion design and animation, for example? Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, Cause I always get confused with the, I think there's a subtle difference between motion design and animation, right? Yeah. I, I, I think there's a, there's certainly a difference. I'm curious. What, what do you think the difference is? Like, what does that mean to you? For me, motion design is more um, like animating logos, maybe. It, it's more of a graphic design subgenre. And animation might be like animating characters, like rigging characters. And I don't think motion design is as much about that. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think we're in alignment there. Um, anytime I think about the difference between the two, yeah, it seems like motion design is... You you put it perfectly. Like it's an it's inherently like design. So it's some sense of graphic design with typography, maybe abstract form, and it's it's put on a timeline and it's still telling a story, but it's using design to tell that story. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, to me, animation is a, a bigger kind of umbrella term for anything that that's moving, right? That's not live action. So it could be. Could be stop motion, claymation, hand drawn. Yeah, I think motion design is under the umbrella of animation too. But yeah, it's, it seems like a very specific kind of niche. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that's kind of interesting is that most animators are also illustrators, but illustrators aren't always animators. So I guess how do you think about the intersection between those two things? Seeing as you have you know, experience in both fields. Yeah, that's that's weird. I've never thought about that, but you're right. You, you know, you see a lot of a lot of animators are like, yeah, I can draw. And they have to, I guess, on some level, know how to illustrate. Right, right. Um, I I love that intersection. I want there to be more of an intersection, and I I think I'm starting to see that. Maybe it's just me, and you know, I forget the kind of bias it is, but I'm thinking about that, so therefore, I'm seeing a lot more of it. Someone will know what that's called. But I, I, I would love to have and see more illustrators pick up animation um, because what's more exciting than seeing someone, something, someone created from, from their hand, from their brain, from like nothing, a painting, and then breathing a little bit of life into it. And it's like, whoa, it just adds another, another dimension um, to it. So to me, that's very, very exciting. And what's interesting is the, the further I go along in my creative career, the more I start to like, I guess, move backwards in terms of technology in, in a way, and I'll contradict myself later. I'm, I'm sure I will. But now I'm the last few years, at least I'm so much more interested in illustration. I, I feel like, you know, animation and motion is, you know, always have my heart. Um, but I've kind of missed that, that, you know, handmade, uh, you know, pen to paper kind of quality. And now I want to figure out how to bring more of that, more of that back. Maybe that's just like a rebellion to all the, all the like super clean graphic design that, that I see everywhere. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess I was going to ask you how that interplay between illustration and animation evolved throughout your career, but it sounds like you kind of answered that, but why do you think it is that you, have started being pulled more towards illustration now. Is there like a simplicity to it that also is attractive? Um, 
I'm going to, I'm going to take the easy way out of this question. And I'm going to, I'm going to say it's one, almost 100% because, um, I got an iPad and I bought pro procreate. Like it, it, it has to be that. <laughs> yeah. I like, I love, I love procreate. It's such a great program. It's so much fun and it's so intuitive. It is. It's, it's just, it's, it's beautiful and amazing. And it, it's like having your entire, like all your art supplies just in, in one little place. And that seems like such a simple idea, but no one had really done it the way that, uh, they do. So when I, when I first got that, I was like, oh, this is great. And it reminded me how much I love to draw, like how much I could just sit there with, you know, CSI in the background and just kind of <laughs> drift off and like doodle the night away. And that's so enjoyable. And it's so easy because now I can do that. I'm on my couch, you know, my wife's asleep. My, my, I can pet my dog when I'm trying to think of an idea. I don't have to be, you know, sitting at a desk still. Um, with a Wacom, you know, or, you know, with a giant piece of paper, like paints and stuff like that or whatever. I can I'm just, you know, just sitting here. Yeah, I don't know. And for, for me, I also find it takes the pressure off because I know I can wipe everything so quickly in Procreate. <laughs> so you yeah. can really sketch so roughly. When I sketch like that on paper, I feel bad sometimes. Wait, why do you feel bad? Um, I don't know. It's just there's anxiety. I feel this anxiety sometime when I'm starting uh, an illustration and there's a lot of pressure where it has to feel like it's going somewhere mm. both in terms of aesthetics but also the idea and I feel like procreate I can I do these little thumbnails in procreate I love doing them there because you can zoom in and out it's so easy um, but I also love the fact that I can just like do like layers like I can overlay my earlier sketches and kind of refine them and it's to do that on paper, you have to get like tracing paper and I often feel too lazy. I don't know. I just find the whole process to be extremely enjoyable when I do it in Procreate. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And I, I get it. The, the kind of blank page, it can be intimidating to you. Um, but that undo, that, that two tap undo, that's, <laughs> that's a beautiful thing. It really is. Yeah. But I saw that they added recently, they added actually an animation component and procreate i guess maybe a week ago yes they did an update with you know they added text and they also added the ability to i guess use your layers and compile them into a gif kind of like what you would do in photoshop have you tried that out yeah i've used the text um i'm, I'm working on a video right now for for the future and um there's something i made in procreate using our text simply because i wanted to test it out and see um, see what it's like. It's it's a little clunky, but it is really really nice to have in there. Um, I've yet to use the the animation or, or GIF feature, but I've seen a lot of people use it. It's not strictly speaking an animation feature because it's not that advanced yet. I guess because it, I mean it's mostly just putting together a couple of static images and making you know GIF a very basic GIF. Oh, but there aren't really any very capable iPad apps that you can animate with now. Yeah. I've used, I think one, um, rough animator. I think that's yeah, the name of it. Yeah. I used that on something recently. It's nice. It's, it's pretty, you know, bare bones, but it right, gets the job yeah. done. Um, I don't, 
I don't think that this episode is sponsored by Procreate, but no, it's not. Any, anyone out there listening, like if you have an interest, it's it's not just a paid endorsement here. Like it's a pretty uh, amazing piece of software. I mean, for the I think for the price, especially when you compare it to Adobe products, it's incredibly uh, it's a good value. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think it's just like ten bucks, um, which is I mean still pretty cheap. Yeah, yeah, and it's a one time thing. There's no like. Yeah, yeah. There's no subscription. That's the other thing. That's great. Yeah, but yeah. I, I was just gonna say. I, I think you know the convenience uh, in combination with my laziness. That's certainly how I got back into illustration so hard. Yeah, the biggest hurdle is probably getting the iPad Pro, which costs quite a lot. But yes, but once that's over, you it's it's really easy. Right. I want to know because selfishly, I've been trying to learn animation as I go. It's incredibly intimidating when you start to think about animation because there's so many different things you have to learn. And I mean, there's so many different types of animation. Like you said, there's claymation, there's stop motion, there's 3D animators doing amazing stuff that's incredible, that looks incredibly difficult to make. So how, how, how do you feel about getting started? What do you recommend usually people do when they ask you that kind of question? When they ask you, like, say I'm an illustrator and I'm asking you, what should I, um, how would you teach yourself to animate basically as an illustrator? As an illustrator. Oh man, that's, that's a tough one. I'm trying to think of the resources that are out there. Well, okay. I think what's really, interesting about right now and the way animation has evolved is that there's there's really no kind of wrong way to do it um you know i i think a long time ago there there was a certain maybe expectation is the word i'm looking for for what animation should be if it's like uh, disney you know it's like beautiful and smooth and realistic in in a way um and then there's kind of this like Pixar, very, you know, um, big friendly, you know, that the, the kind of trademark Pixar look. Um, and I, I think now because, um, maybe because of, you know, like Photoshop's animation timeline and the tools being a little more, uh, uh democratized, it's, it's kind of just easier to add a little bit of animation to something. So the animation that, that I love looking at the most is oftentimes really kind of simple. And I, I I mean that in like the delightful sense, not like, oh, this person can barely animate, but it's like, uh, it doesn't need anymore. This is really cool. And I, I think that's uh, in part by a lot of people uh, up to this moment um, sort of redefining what, what animation could mean. Um, South Park is an interesting example, you know? Um, regardless of how you feel about the show, the animation is fantastic and it is the exact opposite of Disney. It's so, so, you know, kind of staccato and, and, uh, almost minimal, but it's, it's perfect for the stories that they tell. And, uh, th- there's this am- amazing animator, uh, and game maker now, uh, David O'Reilly. And I remember, I forget when it came out, um, it had to have been like early two thousands, but he put out this kind of like manifesto or PDF. I know it was a PDF. I don't know if manifesto is the right word, but it was called um, animation aesthetics. And if you're familiar with his work at all, you know, he does a lot of really incredible uh, 
3D animation with. I am not. I'm uh, not. Oh, it's it, look him up. He's it's, it's crazy. It's so so unique. Um, but the the purpose of this document was to kind of point out that hey, you know, you don't have to aim for Disney or Pixar when you do 3D animation or any animation for that matter. There's a lot of beauty in uh, the variety and and kind of um, I don't think simple is the right word here. But you know, different types of animation that doesn't have to be so so polished and and refined and professional looking. And here are some things to think about. And that that just kind of opened opened my eyes. It, you know, I was like, wow, this is a really interesting way to to look at animation. So I think go, going back to your question, I I think the best way to learn animation is just to try it, just to to do it and and do it. Um, do it in the way that you want to, you know, take something you've made, an illustration, a drawing, whatever, um, put it on a timeline and I don't know, start to start to play around and you'll, you'll start to see, you know, you'll, you'll kind of get the feel of it. Like, like anything, you know, if we're using the bike riding analogy, you'll probably fall over, you know, but after a while you'll, you'll learn how to kind of at least, you know, ride in a straight line and you know, what works and, and what doesn't. And I think, you know, from there you can, you can either kind of develop that on your own. I, I think it's always nice to get familiar with some of the fundamentals. Um, so that way you know what they are and then you can make a decision whether or not they're, they're for you or not. So you're talking about maybe piecing together things a little bit more simplistically in Photoshop or doing, I know with stop motion, especially it teaches you the fundamentals of animation without having to rig things, you know? Yeah, that's I I know it takes a long ass time too. <laughs> so I I would start with Photoshop if it were me because it's it's readily available. Yeah. But that's the other thing the industry standard really for more complex animations is really After Effects, am I right? Uh I yeah, I think I think it's probably the most popular option, you know, for uh unless you're doing 3D, I guess, in which case there are other programs. Yeah. And once you get there, that, that that's kind of, there's such a big learning curve there because you're, you're like adding a third dimension and, and it's, yeah, it's, it's super interesting. And I, you know, I, I've dabbled in it a, a bit earlier in my career. Um, but it gets pretty technical, like to rig a character. Oh my God. <laughs> there's a lot, a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, but also, I mean, you don't have to know that to be able to animate. There are a ton of readily available rigs you can just download and play with too, which is cool. Mm -hmm. So do you think that um, having all this knowledge about animation, uh, being very familiar with After Effects and how to rig a character uh, changes the way that you illustrate, even when you're making something and you know that you're not going to animate it? Hmm. Does it change the way I, I illustrate? You know, probably, probably for the, for the worst too, if I really think about it. Really? Yeah. I, you know, okay. I've, I've thought about this a, a little bit and I think w when I look at some of my drawings, I'm like, why is it so stiff? And I think everyone probably thinks the same thing about their own, their own work. Um, and I'm sure it's, because well, I just need to work on my posing and, and stuff. I'm just I gotta practice more. Get over it. Um, 
but then the other part of me is, you know, like when you, when you intend to animate something and you make the artwork, you kind of want to, at least for a character, put it in a, a very neutral pose, knowing that you can bend and deform it later, you know? So maybe subconsciously that's, that's like seeping into the way I draw, but that's probably just an excuse. I, I don't know. I might, I might just need, need practice, <laughs> you know, but, but it could be. Do you think you, uh, the process is the same, um, regardless of whether or not you're going to animate the illustration or do you think you do things very differently? Um, I, I think there's a bit of a difference. So if, if I'm making something and, uh, I intend to animate it, I think, you know, ultimately I will have to create that kind of, you know, like neutral looking artwork that is, is riggable or at least, you know, I'm like, okay, I know how long and short the arms or legs are and stuff like that. Um, but I'll still go through the process of sketching thumbnails and poses and trying to figure out the personality, um, in a drawing, you know, and how they, how they look and move and what their silhouette, um, is you know in, in a drawing first before any any animation takes place so that not not a huge difference but i think there is a, a bit of a difference there um and for animation you also want to you know have some sort of context for for the story so you know is this character going to move really fast across the screen or are they going to move slow and subtly and um you know how much detail is there because you know a lot of a lot of detail doesn't always translate very well into animation so if you have a very complex pattern with really fine line work and that needs to move over time that's going to be really difficult to to animate first of all and it might it might not look great either um so i try to be mindful of those things as well mm i see yeah i can totally see like for example, for my style, like I like to add a lot of texture in Photoshop to my illustrations. I could see that being really hard to transfer over to an animation. I think, you know, there's there's a lot of different ways to, to animate that stuff too. You know, so if you have like you mentioned a you know, like a texture. I guess not everything has to move also. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. And that's, that's kind of where that animation aesthetics comes in, you know? So it's like, if you have a character that has, you know, plaid on, on, um, on her shirt and, you know, she, she's like kind of dancing or something, right? Um, you don't have to animate the plaid in perspective the whole time. It, maybe it's just like a flat thing that doesn't move and that's, that's cool. And that's that style, you know? Um, I think you get into trouble when it's like you have, a a big furry animal that that's you know if its contour is very complex you know like you're drawing all the fur lines like oh my god i don't want to animate that you know it's too much work yeah i could see that so i know you created a script for after effect right uh called puppet tools or puppet tool yeah mm -hmm. and that's basically like an easier way to rig and animate characters are there any other specific tools you can recommend for illustrators who, who want to expand their field of expertise? Sure. Yeah. I, so I think if you want to stay in Photoshop um, and, and work with the timeline in there, 
which to me at least would be a kind of natural progression. Um, their timeline is is really cool, but it's also missing missing a lot of things. So if you go that route, I would highly recommend um, picking up. I think it's called Animator's Toolbar. Um, I want to say there there might be a free version or a pro version. I I probably bought the pro one because it was worth it, but um, that's super helpful. Okay, so that's a Photoshop uh, plugin, or yeah, it's like a plugin or extension or something, and it just kind of um, really streamlines the process of uh, working with frames and creating new frames, and you know all the kind of typical animation tools you, you you'd want in there. This is more for like traditional animation, so there's just like shortcuts for all that stuff because uh, Photoshop leaves a lot to be desired <laughs> for their timeline and the the buttons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty minimal, actually, and it's hard to find things. Yeah. Okay, so that's a good one for Photoshop. Do you have any other ones for people who might want to be... Well, I guess, when do, you, when do you know that you're ready to move on to After Effect, and why would you need to? That's a great question. Why would you need to? I think start there, you know? But what are some things that, for people who don't know, you can't do in Photoshop that you would have to move on to After Effect to do? Well, I think After Effects is really good at taking design and, and putting it into motion. So if you start to, I think when things start to get really complex, like you want layers and layers of animation that relate to each other. Um, if you want to use any typography and animate type, I, that'd be, I mean, impossible to do in After Effects or in uh, Photoshop, but After Effects is very, very intuitive. Um, they have some 3D options in there too, both like kind of like, Two and a half D, meaning you have a like a flat, flat plane, and you can kind of rotate it. And they have some true three D in, in there too. You can work with. Um, if you really want to finesse, you know, timing. I mean, like to animate anything in After Effects, you just need two keyframes, you know, start and end. And then what you can do is, you know, something moves left to right across screen. It'll start very linear, so it goes at a constant rate from left to right. But using just those two keyframes, you can adjust the animation curves in there so that maybe it starts really fast and then slows down or starts slow and then ramps up. And that's called easing, right? Yeah, the kind of uh, speed and, and uh, I guess, path at which you know something is moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In After Effects, do you have specific tools that you recommend for people who want to get started with it? I, I mean, if, if someone's just getting started, After Effects can be so intimidating. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily suggest adding any new tools to it. I would just spend some time with it, you know, try to find some. There are so many good tutorials on, on YouTube, especially. Um, and Do you have specific ones that you would recommend? Or? Mm, let, me, let me think. There is, there's a guy, I think his name is Dansky. Um, really really great bite-sized tutorials kind of like just in just in time learning you know where it's like oh, i need to know how to do this um i think he covers all adobe stuff and then um oh, there, of course i can't think of anything right now but i mean if you search after effects tutorial for anything you'll you'll find it yeah if you if you think of anything else i guess you can email me and i'll put it in the show notes because i think some people might be really interested especially illustrators who are kind of like trying to get into animation but it's a little bit intimidating and they might not know exactly what to do or what what to get started with 
Yeah. Your main recommendation would be to start out using Photoshop in the basic timeline and move on from there. Yeah, I, I think if if your intent is to, you know, if you're an illustrator and and you're thinking, hey, it, it'd be a lot of fun to add some animation to my illustrations. I think, you know, like keep starting really simple, just like little bits of of uh, you know, movement here and there, you know, almost like a what are they, what do they call those where it's like a still image that has a little bit of like loopy motion cinemagraph. Yeah, something like that. So let's say you have a character that's like pouring coffee or they're standing there and their hair, you want their hair to like blow in the wind or something. Um, I think something like that is, is, you know, pretty not easy, but like very doable in Photoshop. And it's a good, maybe a good like first step. And then when you want to really kind of add a lot more animation and After Effects might might be worth looking into. Yeah. Okay. What do you use usually when you animate? Oh yeah, just Photoshop and After Effects. I I I try to keep my tools as like simple and minimal as as possible, and I I do that intentionally because I I've always been an early adopter. I'm like something new comes out, I reserve my name. Uh, if there's a beta, I'm gonna download it. I'm gonna play with it right away. Um, and that's just because I, I don't know. I like to see new weird things that are you know i'm like is there potential here for something and so when i'm actually doing doing my work i i try not to over over tech you know over complicate things um unless i need to if i need to you know like use something really different i try to keep it simple keep it efficient of course like if there's a you know faster way to do something i'm not going to do it my way because i'm not that dumb but I, yeah, I I try to just keep it simple. So most of the time, if I'm animating, it's Photoshop, it's uh, After Effects, like 99% of stuff. I used to do a lot of 3D, but I haven't touched 3D in years. Yeah, I guess it's better to master a few tools than have a thousand tools that you know very little about. It can be very distracting, too. Yeah, that's right. So I want to get back to your process. For people who don't know, you have a full-time job at Blind, which is a creative agency. You also work for the future, which is kind of a sidearm of blind and is an education platform that teaches creatives business and design principles. And you also, I guess, work from home when you do your personal side projects. So what does, I'm curious, what does your typical week look like? What does your day look like? Man, that, when you say it like that, it sounds like I have three jobs and I'm like sleeping one hour a night. Um, <laughs> we do all have, I guess we all do that kind of thing, you know, but I think you do a lot. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So I, I guess I'll, I'll help maybe clarify some things so it doesn't sound as as dramatic as, as I think it does. Um, I think it's inspiring too, because it, you're basically, you have a full-time job and you still have time and you still devote time to personal projects and you do a lot of things. I think that's pretty inspiring. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, uh, my my main thing, so to speak, is the future. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say blind. Yeah, you would you would think. Blind has been around a very long time. Um, but we, I mean, everyone who works for blind also works at the future. Um, they're, they're, they are, they're kind of one in the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the last, maybe... I don't know, three, four months, every, everyone for the most part has, uh, made the future their, their full-time thing. So it's really like 
we are the future and blind is a sidearm. Okay. So blind okay. is kind of like the the design or production arm maybe of the future. So when when and if a, a client job comes in that that we choose to take on at this point, which we are fortunate enough to do, um, that wouldn't happen through blind. Um, but yeah, mo- most of my day is is spent working on um, working on the future. And that's you know either like website stuff or uh, making videos, writing content. You know, there's we we all wear many many hats there. Um, so concretely, what does your day look like? What time do you get up and you know, uh, do you actually go into the office or do you work from home? Let's see. Okay. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to tell the truth. <laughs> I usually get up around 7:45, but I like to set my alarm for 6:45. Okay. I'm, I'm optimistic, but uh-huh. realistically I'm waking, I'm waking up at 7:45. That's fine. I, I, <laughs> I do the same thing. I don't think that makes you weak. I know Chris Doe, who is the, you know, the, the big boss at the future. Um, does he wake up at five? Is that what I heard? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I've known Chris forever. Like, I don't understand how he does that. Yeah. Oh, me I, like I said, I've, I've known him for maybe 14, 15 years and he's, he's a machine. He is a, a human machine. Really? Yeah. I mean like driven, so driven. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy inspiring. I like to think I'm driven, but I still don't think I can do that. <laughs> Me too, but not like that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. something else. Um, yeah. So you wake up at seven forty-five. Yeah, yeah. I I I value my sleep, so I try to go to bed at a decent hour too. Yeah, me too. I cannot. I can't function on you know very little sleep. Yeah. So you get up at seven forty-five, and and then what do you do? Yeah, I I roll out of bed there, get caffeinated. Um, and usually, you know, um, during the week I kind of split my time between going into the office in Santa Monica and, uh, and working from home. So, you know, kind of bounce back and forth every other day here or there. And for people who don't know, you live in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. which is a city that's famous for the traffic and the commute times. So that makes a lot of sense that you're (laughs) working from home some of the days too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I live like as far away as I can to still be willing to drive to Santa Monica. Yeah. Like if yeah. I moved one inch further away, I'd be like, nope, I'm out. So you don't go into the office every day? No, no. I'm, I'm usually there two or three days a week and then either two or three days a week um, working here. And a, a lot of that is because, you know, we are all working on so many different things for the future. And we have an active Slack channel. So um, unless we have to, you know, get everyone in the room to put our heads together and, and brainstorm something or, you know, work on something in real time, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. like a shoot, shoot a video. Yeah. Or yeah. For yeah. shooting. Or if it's like, we need to, we need a giant whiteboard and we got to figure out what our plan is for the next month. You know, uh, that's, that's usually done face to face, but, um, the rest of the stuff is, you know, um, kind of on, on your, on your own time, you know, there's, there's like loosely set hours, but, um, you know, it's like everyone, we, we have goals and we got to hit the goals and we all trust each other enough to, um, follow through, you know, not, not kind of drop the ball. So 
And that's, that's a lot because of everyone who works there and, and Chris too, of course, you know, so there's a, it's, it's, it's really, it's really a great thing. I, I super fortunate to be able to do that. Yeah. And so I, I really want to get back to the future stuff, but I think we'll talk about that a little later, but I, I definitely want, want to talk more about that and exactly what you do and all the exciting stuff that the future does. Cause I'm a really big fan as well. I really love all the stuff that you guys do. Oh, cool. But I want to talk more about your home, your home office. What is it like? What do you have there? Okay. So now it is, is fully operational. Um, so do you have a separate room for your office? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a, I guess it's like a separate structure. It's, it's in my backyard kind of way off in the corner. It's like, I think it used to be a garage, but. It's, oh, that's great! Yeah, um, you're very lucky. Yeah. Oh man, this this is a big reason why <laughs> why my wife and I chose to chose to move here too. It's it's yeah, it's amazing. It, it really is. I'm super grateful. Yeah. But with that, and we kind of live on on this hill. With that comes you know some mother nature maintenance. So we, I think we yeah we moved here uh, late last year, and then in LA at least we had a very very rainy winter like abnormally so and we certainly needed it It, you know it was it was kind of dry out here um Mm -hmm. but you know you move to a new place and you're not quite sure and how everything works and so i I set up a whole studio like built this really long desk and you know all this cool shit in here and um after all the rains um this water just came in and and just flooded everything so I have the studio set up the way I like it, and then we get all this crazy rain, and I, I didn't I didn't realize, but because we're kind of on this hill in the back, the studio is like the lowest point in the property, so all this water just kind of seeped in through the ground and the sides and the walls, and just like flooded my whole studio. So I lost I lost all these books and stuff because it just got all wet and and moldy and um. I mean, other than that, thankfully no real damage, but I'd spent like a month building a desk and putting all this stuff together. And so on one Sunday morning, I was like, oh, F. Mm-hmm. And I just had to come in here and literally take it all apart and then move it back into the house. So I spent a month doing something and then spent a day undoing it all. Um, and then, yeah, cut to you know, three months later, the rain has stopped. And just, I think like yesterday, I, I got everything set back up the way that it was before, like six months ago. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Um, so what do you have in your studio? Do you have like a, how do you usually work? You, I know you use the iPad. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, in work stuff, I, I, I just have like an old iMac. Um, I have an iPad with, uh, oh, like a little, like a little tablet, like stand. So it's kind of this like angled, angled stand. Oh yeah. Yeah. So anyone doing that, I highly recommend that because you're going to like just kill your neck looking down at it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's super helpful. Um, and then, um, I have a printer, uh, I make some, I make some dog prints. Mm -hmm. Um, and then for, you know, I need a lot, I need to decorate a lot in here. I don't have much going on. Okay. But other than that, I just have like my guitar and my Xbox and that's not work related, but it's it's very fun and nice to have. So you you keep that in your studio, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, you talked about your dog prints, and that was one of your side projects. And you're really incredible at side projects. You've done a few so far. You've done Mythical Mondays, which was 
a collection of animated mythical creatures. Mm-hmm. You've done the Dog Walker series, which were illustrations of dogs and their dog walkers. What was your favorite side project? Do you have one? I guess maybe maybe you don't. My favorite side project. <laughs> there have been there. There's so many others. Um, I I think it's it's got to be one one of two things. The Mythical Mondays was a lot of fun. Um, it it hurt a lot too. So like it, for anyone that, that doesn't know what it was, basically for one year, um, I made one animation a, a week, so fifty two total. Um, each one a, a mythical creature. So like from anywhere in the world, like all different kind of places and, and cultures and um, really interesting. Cause as a kid, I, I loved like Greek mythology and stuff. So I thought this would be fun. So that was a year long commitment that I made um, really fun uh, and taught me a lot too, because I, I made all those animations in Photoshop and I'd never animated in Photoshop before. And Oh, so you, you animated all of those in Photoshop? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I thought you used After Effect, but... No, nope, those are all just, just kind of hand-jammed. So that that's further proof that you can really do great stuff with Photoshop? Yeah, oh, it's, uh, definitely. You know, maybe maybe not the best tool for, for like the, the big crazy things, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are, they're really cool, and I'm, I'm going to put a link to that video. There's a video of all of the put together that's uh, really cool so i'll put that in the show notes so people can see it but um yeah i mean they're really cool um this episode will continue in a few minutes but first a short interruption to let you in to some important details about the show first you can find show notes resources list and more on our website www.illustrationhour.com The URL format for episode show notes is always the same. It's illustrationhour.com slash last name of the guest. Illustrationhour.com slash, that's a forward slash, last name of the guest. Check it out. It has tons of links to resources and material that will greatly amplify your experience of the show. Sometimes I have guests email me extra recommendations and resources after the show, and you can find those exclusively on those show notes. So definitely check them out. Again, the website is illustrationhour.com. That's illustrationhour.com. Second, this episode is brought to you by the Illustration Club, which is my newsletter roundup of the coolest things I've encountered that week. It's a short weekly email that contains four to five things that I enjoyed that week. It's chock full of inspiration, cool stuff from around the interwebs, illustration related news, quotes, articles, or purchases I'm enjoying. It's free, it's not long, it's not spammy, and you can unsubscribe at any time. If you enjoy the show, you will likely enjoy this too. And it helps support the show and keep it going. So go check it out at illustrationhour.com slash club. That's illustrationhour.com forward slash club. Thank you. So... You have a very demanding day job. I mean, you work from home sometimes, but how do you find the, I guess, the motivation and energy to keep up with your side projects when you have so many things going on? You know, you have a lot of things on your plate. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess I, <laughs> I make the time, I suppose. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, if, if I think back, I, I kind of go in, in phases. 
And so right now I don't have a side project going on. So I'm I'm in a phase where in my spare time I'm I'm probably gonna play video games. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, you need to take breaks sometimes too, I guess. Yeah, it's very easy to get burned out. Um, so usually when you have side projects, you do it over. Do you have a set period of time that you decide to devote yourself to something? Not not necessarily. I mean, well, Mythical Mondays, yeah. I was like, okay, here's a year. And that's really cool, but that's also a big commitment. It is, yeah. So I, I think there there are a couple things and a couple of reasons why I'm, maybe I'm able to do this. So, you know, like I said, fortunately, my, my day job, though, though demanding and there's a lot going on, um, we're, we're, you know, it's not a crunch culture at all, you know? As opposed to 10 years ago, you know, it's not uncommon to stay at work until 3 a.m. finishing a, a render for a music video or something. But it is not like that now. And having survived that, I'm like, oh, cool, I can I can do this, you know, and still have some um, creative juice left over. And uh, that's the other thing, too, is like my day job is not doing illustration and necessarily making creative things. It's more kind of business and, and strategy and and there's creativity in that too but different kind but yes absolutely mm-hmm. yeah 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 so i mean one of the things that can really help when you're trying to maintain a side project practice is to have a clear idea of how you're gonna come up with ideas and you have a lot to say on that yes you have this really cool video and a really great video up on the future academy channel on youtube uh, where you talk about how to come up with ideas uh, specifically for illustrators. So in the video, you, I really like how you talk about a simple structure for ideation. And you say, um, I'm paraphrasing, but you say that it's important to have a theme, rules, and a direction. I really like the way that you broke it down. So can you, can you kind of explain what those three components are? Sure, yeah. Um, and I should say that this is, this is just, my way of doing things there's a lot of different ones and i think if you ask this question to three different people you'll get three very different answers Mm -hmm. but i think also a lot of the times creatives don't necessarily think about that because there maybe there's a myth about there's something kind of magical happening or something that you can't define Mm. i think it's important to also talk about the other side which is i think the truth is somewhere in the middle probably but there's also the other side, which is that you can have sort of a structure and a system for it without destroying the magic of it, of inspiration, because sometimes it does come in unexpected ways. Right. Yeah. I'm, I, I think that's, that's spot on. You know, if you can, you can develop a, a, I mean, it's really just a process for, for doing something and then iterate on that and know when you're maybe repeating yourself and know where to push yourself. Um, yeah, super, super valuable. So explain like the process that you described in the video. Like uh, what's what's the, the theme, the rules, and the direction? Yeah, okay. So I, I think um, for that video, I was talking about the Dog Walker project. And um, I, I, I knew, so going into it, I, so this is when I first got Procreate. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to draw stuff. And I... I drew his caricature of uh, my wife and our dog. And I was like, oh, this is fun. And I thought, cool, I'm going to make a series. So I knew, okay, I want to make a series of illustrations. Because one of the struggles I have is I sit down, I'm like, what do I make today? What am I doing? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
So I, I think that's where the the theme uh, should step in, right? And this it's not like you're committing to doing this for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. It could be the rest of the week or the rest of the day. Um, but I was like, you know, I'm going to do a series of people walking their dogs. That's all. So that's the theme. So I'm like, okay, dog walkers theme, go. So that way when I sat down, I wasn't kind of just aimlessly wandering my Apple Pencil around. I was like, all right, uh, I'm going to kind of be playing this area of the sandbox. And then I knew also, you know, projects are, at least for me, uh, notoriously getting out of like scope and scale and size and they just get so big so fast. It's very easy for that to happen. So I thought, okay, if I give myself some, some kind of boundaries, then I'll know at least I can, I can sit down and do something that's realistic with the time that I have and it won't, you know, drag on forever. So I'll have something to show for, for my effort. I won't have like a series of, you know, half done things. Um, so what were the uh, rules for that particular project? Do you remember? For that one, I, I think it was, um, a, okay, so a, a human, a dog, and a kind of like just flat color background. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So, so you really, you, you broke it down into components. Right. Yeah, exactly. So these are, these are kind of like. I like to use a cooking analogy, but like these are the ingredients. I don't know what the recipe is yet. I don't know what it'll taste like, but I know these are the ingredients that I'm that I'm going to use. Um, so I start there. Uh huh. Yeah. And so, what's the direction? I guess to me, direction is like what What are you trying to say with it? Is it intent? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a. I think that's a good way to to say it. Um, intent or like what what. What story are you, do you want to tell? Is it, you know, is it a fun one, a happy one, a sad one, a mean one? What, you know, what, what is that? Um, so for example, for the dog walkers, what was the story that you wanted to tell? Was there a narrative that you had in mind? Um, I, I think so. Although it's probably not terribly obvious. They kind of just look like character studies. Um, but each, each one of those was based on someone that I, that I saw in, in real life like a, a guy walking two chihuahuas, but he had one in his arm. Um, and there's, you know, uh, so they like badass lady with, with a pit bull. Um, that was actually one of, one of my neighbors a long time ago, but, um, yeah, there was always some sort of dynamic between the two. So, you know, there's, there's only a couple ingredients. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's really the narrative. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of important. The, uh, yeah. Cause it's always funny to see like, a really small dog with like a really, really big tall dude. guy or something. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know the contrast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why is it so important to have, I guess, rules and boundaries? Well, I, I think for me, it just it helps me get, get things done. And, um, you know, I, I have, I think we all have very active imaginations. That's probably why we got into the creative world. Um, and that's great, but also understanding how to, how to harness and and focus that I think is really important too. Um, because it's, I mean, I, I love to, I'll go on a tangent all day, just about anything, just kind of woo. And it's, it's a lot of fun, but at the end of the day, I don't know if that's really what I want to do or if it helps the story I'm trying to tell. So 
to me, having some boundaries and rules are, I don't know, it's, it's a good challenge and it kind of forces you to, to think within, within a box, you know, and, um, you know, what's, what's that saying? It's like, you know, you work well under pressure. Well, boundaries are, is that pressure. So if, you know, you're kind of limited in your supplies, you can still make anything, but it's, it might come out really, really interesting because you don't have the, the world and, and everything at your disposal. You have what's right in front of you right here, right now, because these are the rules you've given yourself. So, you know, that can be anything like you're only allowed to use, you know, two colors. Go. Well, what can you do with that? So I think that also influences, you know, um, my work, obviously, but, you know, with, you know, limited morning time and, and evening time, that, that helps me actually be able to follow through with some of the ideas I want versus I'm going to create this masterpiece and it'll take me a year kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, when you do these, uh, side projects, do you, do you kind of go into it intending to, you know, post on social media and kind of, is that a drive for you or is that something that's kind of not as important as exploring, um, and pushing yourself, you know? Hmm. It's interesting. Because I think there's definitely an argument to be made that having kind of like interesting side projects also is, is very good for your feed. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, the, the reason I, I do most side projects is because I can't do it anywhere else or I, I don't, or I'm not doing it anywhere else. Or it's just, I have this like burning idea that I, I need to, <laughs> I need to make or, or I'll, or I'll lose it. Like realistically, that's, that's like what, what I'm afraid of. Like I have an idea and then I've, if I don't do it, it's gone, you know? Um, so I, I think that's, that's where those, those things come from for me. Yeah. And it, 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 I mean, I guess social media can also drive you to stay consistent to, but you probably shouldn't start a project with the intent of it being for social media. Mm -hmm. Uh, it should probably come from a different place at the same time. I guess you have to be realistic about the way that creative industry works now. And social media is a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so. I, I don't know that there's anything wrong with making something for social media. Um, as long as it's, you know, it, it, it's you and it's not, you know, like people, people can smell, smell bullshit. They, you know, they, they know if something is just there for show and there's no real art or meaning behind it, you know, and, and, and that's not indicative of the quality of the work. It's, it's really like the, you know, soul, so to speak of it. Um, so I, I think, you know, if, if there's someone out there, um, and they're like struggling to get work, that, that might be a good, a good place to start is actually like, okay, think of something, you know, you've wanted to do, rein it in so you can actually do it. And, you know, put it out on social because that, that is a place where, you know, something would catch fire. That's, that's where people will be looking, um, to hire someone too. I, I think having a, a presence on, you know, the platform that is right for you, um, is, is very important. Yeah. And, um, I guess Instagram for a lot of, especially illustrators is a, it's a huge factor in getting jobs and getting seen. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Behance too, which is yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't really know, but the the more people email me, they're like, "I saw you on Behance," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I have a Behance." I've had a lot of trouble with Behance. I think for illustrators, it can be a little difficult. I don't know. I I see a lot of designers being successful on Behance, but it's hard to get visibility, especially when you don't have a lot of followers on mm-hmm. Behance. Like almost no one sees your projects. Instagram isn't really exactly like that. I mean, you still get views, but yeah, I was going to ask you because. At the future, you guys talk a lot about social media and the influence that YouTube and Instagram have on creative industries now. Um, and Chris Doe is a big kind of basically an advocate of social media for creatives and like embracing social media. Uh, he talks a lot about what it can offer creatives, but has your approach changed since you've been at the future and how, how has it changed? Um, yeah, I, I, I think so. It's, it's a little more tailored. Um, like I, I rarely put any personal things on online anymore. Um, I have, I have my own weird, like mental health paranoia things, you know, to, to kind of be, be mindful of, you know, and trying to, trying to just stay positive, but um yeah i mean i use instagram primarily for creative business um you know and uh fortunately i have a lot of friends who are in the same industry so it, it is kind of cool to get on there and, and socialize and and everything but that's that's really my my use for it and i i really try to avoid you know any any like um projection of my own life <laughs> onto onto other people's accounts and that that's a much bigger conversation about you know the kind of uh psychology behind it but yeah i i now use it as a tool for for creative business primarily yeah so you use it as it's part of the job for you it's not yes yeah, yeah. um so are there things that you picked up that you know you can share that are effective on, for example, Instagram for illustrators that want to get more visibility and also, I guess, interaction with others. Mm. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm probably going to sound like, uh, five tips to boost your follower account, but I, uh, no, I mean, but I mean, yeah, those things can be a little bit gimmicky, but at the same time, I feel like it's important to realize the influence that it has, whether or not you like it, you know, that's a different thing, but it's, it, it does have a a huge influence now. Um, and I know a lot of illustrators, they get a lot of jobs from Instagram. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's a valuable networking, um, business building tool if you use it the right way. And you know, I, I I can hear someone rolling their eyes, and I'm like, yeah, trust me, I, I, I did too. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm I'm past that now, and I I think you know, using it for for what it's good at is, is super helpful. Um, so I, all, all I can do is share what's what's worked for me. Um, and I I think you know, almost everything you you Google and look up, it's it's going to help in, in in some way or, or the other, but. Um, the difference with uh, creatives and illustrators specifically is, you know, you can't, you can't just like photograph your life and, and put it up there every single, like three or four times a day. 
because you're, you know, you're creating something. Um, but what, what you can do is share both, sh- share a balance of things. So share work, you know, share finished work, um, share process. So either making of like, you know, um, like a time lapse or record your screen or something, or, you know, give some sort of commentary, like let people in on, on what you're thinking while, while you're doing it. You know, don't, don't just show them the, uh, you know, show them how the sausage is made. So, so to speak, you don't just have to show the the final hot dog. Um, all that stuff is really great. And I think finding, finding the right balance of that is, is what's key. Um, consistency is, that's probably the, the biggest, the biggest factor. So if you can, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I gained the most traction during, uh, during either dog walkers or somewhere around there, but I was posting almost every, a new thing, at least almost every morning. So I found the right time to post for me since I'm on the West coast in the, in the States is, um, you know, between like eight and 10 AM. So that way people in the Midwest and New York, they're like, it's not too late for them. They would still be looking at things. Um, and West coast people, obviously they would, they would see it at some point during that day. If I posted too late then I wouldn't get as much, um, engagement maybe because I don't know, people, it was late in the day. People were done with their day and they're not on it as much. I don't know. There's a lot of like weird things like that and you don't have to overthink it. Cons- consistency is probably, probably the biggest one though. And like making something every day is, that becomes a second job. It, it really does. It's, it's a lot to, it's a lot to do, but I don't think you need to either. You know, if you, if you look back, you, you know, what, if I were really smart, I would plan out the whole week. So I would say, okay, Monday, um, I, I'm going to share something personal with a message or something on Tuesday. I'll share a work in progress or something. Wednesday, I'll share a more refined, you know, post to finish kind of thing. Thursday, I'll share an old thing or something funny on Friday. I'll, you know, ask a question, you know, so it doesn't have to be just a curate. It's not like a, a portfolio. You want, you, you want to create this kind of holistic view of who you are and how you work, you know? And I, I think, I mean, really you're, you're trying to, you're trying to either get fans or get clients. And so the, the way you do that is you try to, you try to make a meaningful connection. Not everyone will like that. And, that's that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself interacting with a lot of other creatives on Instagram, or not as much as I should? <laughs> I really should more because that's also a full time job. I mean, <laughs> commenting, sending DMs, all that stuff can be. I mean, it's a lot of time that you have to invest. I, I want to talk a little bit more about the future before we run out of time, but. I'd like to hear you describe what it is. You can explain what it is so that people can understand. Because I described it as an education platform. I don't know if that's how you guys describe it, but I think that's a pretty pretty good way to describe it. But to give a little more context, maybe for those who have no idea what the future is, um, we we are an education platform, and our our kind of primary interest is to help bridge the gap between creativity and, and business. And what that means is you can go to school or not and uh, become very good at something. But if you have no business sense, if you don't know how to 
if you don't have the soft skills to back up the the hard skills, um, it can be a struggle. And what would what would those soft skills be? Self promotion. Yeah, I think um, marketing, um, understanding how to do business. So how to how to negotiate, how to talk. I mean, just how to talk to people, how to talk to clients, how to you know how to listen and and understand how to basically speak the non-creative language you know because as soon as you start talking about uh pixels and filters and your client's eyes are gonna you know glaze over you're gonna lose them um because ultimately they you have something you know how to do something that is so valuable to them that they want to hire you um so most of the time it's like we worry about trying to convince them how like how good we are yada yada and that's probably not what they care about they they care about their product or their thing and they they need your help so i think uh, learning how to listen is one of the most valuable and important things um you can learn how to do and i think what a lot of our at least business kind of videos and products and courses and things are are uh, aimed at and uh it's really exciting that you're creating more content about illustration and animation i don't know that's something you're going to continue doing in the future. But the future is mostly uh, focused on graphic design. Although I find a lot of the advice that you guys give can be applied to a lot of things, can be applied to a lot of different creative uh, careers. I definitely find it interesting for illustrators. But is that something you're going to do more of in the future, create more uh, content about illustration? In the future of the future, and yeah, we use this joke all the all the time. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, I'm I, I guess I'm the kind of uh, native illustrator uh, animation person at, at the future. Yeah, I was going to ask: Is there anybody else who, or are you the main? You're the you're the illustration guy. I I, I guess yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm certainly the closest closest thing there. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, Chris is uh, Christo, our our kind of our founder, is is very encouraging, and you know, he's he's always saying, "Teach what you know," and or or even teach what you want to learn. That's the best way to learn is to teach. So that's that's kind of what what I'm focused on. You know, I I don't need to make a video or courses or anything about typography and stuff like that. Like I, I could, but like there's you know, Chris and Matthew are so much better at that. Whereas I have something else to offer. So, yeah. So, so long as I, I think people are interested, um, that's, that's my plan. In fact, I have a, a video. I don't know when it'll come out. I don't know when this is airing. So the video might be out by then. Um, this will probably air the first week or second week of May. Oh, okay. So yeah, the video might've either just come out. Or it's about to, um, but it's about um, color and kind of, a little bit of color theory, but but more so like you know practical use of of color, like basically why your color sucks and how to make it suck less, and it's kind of you know using illustration as as the vessel for that. Um, oh, that's great! And do you find that you guys have gotten more um, demand for content about illustration? I'm I'm curious because. I definitely know on Scaleshare there's a lot of classes about illustration and there's a lot of demand for classes on illustration, but I'm wondering if you guys are experiencing the same on, on YouTube. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not totally sure. <laughs> I've, I've made, 
I think two videos that are illustration focused and they've, I, I believe they've, you know, been well received. And uh, I always like to at least somewhere in the video ask, you know, hey, is this, is this good? Do you want to know more of this kind of stuff? And that's, that's a genuine question, you know, because uh, sometimes it's like it's echo chamber and you don't really know. So, um, yeah, I, I think, I, I don't think people are like, you know, knocking down our door, like, where's this illustration? But, um, I, I believe if, you know, if we, if we put it out there, then yeah, I, I think and hope at least people, people will appreciate it. It's, it's something we, we haven't really, um, covered yet in terms of, you know, uh, teaching anything. So I don't know. Yeah. Even animation. Yeah. And I, I think there is the, you know, and I don't know, I think the rest of the future, they may have different opinions, but I think we also want to, you know, draw, not draw the line, but not, uh, oversaturate with like technical skills too much too. Yeah. Because uh, you guys are also focusing on the intersections of creativity and business more than, you know, the basic technical skills. Well, I don't know that I could change in six months. We might be doing something different and, you know, like disclaimer, we're, we're a startup, so you know, six months from now, it could be like, nope, we're all tech skills all the way. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But right now that's at least what I, what I think. And have you learned, are there things that you've learned that are like, ha have you learned some lessons from creating the, this type of content, educational content and teaching? You said the best way to learn is through teaching, but besides that. Yeah, de uh, definitely. I think, well, w one of the most interesting things is um, making making a video for YouTube that people will watch is really hard. And there, I, I think there is a bit of a formula to it, you know, at least like there's, there's different types of formulas. Um, so it's really interesting to, to look at, look at, okay, well, here's what I want the video to be about and understand vaguely what the formula is and then look at look at how to kind of combine those two so now when i when i make a video like i have a whole a whole process for for making a video and writing and recording and what kind of visuals go with it and i i try to like learn something uh each with each video and then like take it up you know ramp it up in in, in the next one um and just kind of make it better and better and better so we're kind of approaching the end of our time. If you still have like a little bit, like five minutes or something, I, I have a couple of like quick fire questions. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good for at least uh, another 30 minutes. So yeah, no, no rush. Yeah. Uh, I kind of like asking these cause they're, they're just kind of fun. Favorite tool or pen. Yeah, because I put pen in there just so you know it's it doesn't have to be, you know, software. <laughs> I think favorite of well here I'll answer both. Favorite pen is Apple Pencil right now. I mean it's just come on, that thing is incredible. If you don't have an iPad, don't worry, just go into an Apple store and use it. It's so much fun and so smooth, it'll blow your mind. Favorite 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 tool? I I think um, the iPad. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to argue with that. I think favorite creative tool, yeah, I, iPad Pro Create Combo. It's it's pretty sweet. Um, favorite like application like tool, just day to day stuff. Uh, Notion is is amazing, and it's basically it's like a is a big old note taking app. Oh yeah, I use that too. I like it. Yeah, the design is so. Nice. I like I like the design way better than Evernote. It's a lot cleaner. Right. Yeah. It's. Do you ever sketch on on paper? Yeah. Or? Yeah. yeah. All, all the time. So I yeah I have um I have a notebook that that I bring to to meetings, um and as I take notes I am like a crazy doodler so I'm always like the the joke is like if I'm not doodling I'm not listening to you so. Um, yeah, all, all the time. And then what I'll do is like, I'll usually just take a picture of it on my phone. So that way I, I have a, a digital copy of it in case I, I don't have the notebook. Can you tell us like what, uh, what specific type of notebook and pens you use usually? Oh yeah. Um, notebook, we, we have these, these, um, blind ones that were custom made a decade ago. And I, I've, I've, just, I, you know, I probably have like a collection of, eight to 10 by now that are totally filled from the last like, I don't know, eight years. Okay. Are they like Moleskine or? They're, they're similar. The paper is a little thicker uh, than Moleskine. It's not, it's not quite that thin. Um, and the, yeah, a little, a little more rigid. Um, and then pens. Yeah. Here, like <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. So the one I, I usually use is it's a, a black ink, uh uniball, Uniball vision fine. So it's, it's, it's like a, it's not ballpoint. I forget. I don't, I don't actually know what to, what to describe it as. So you don't draw in pencil? No, I, I pretty much never use a pencil. I'm always drawing in pen. Got to commit. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I find that scary. Yeah. It is. It's terrifying. I like to, I actually like drawing in pencil too, because there's like a tactile feeling to it that you don't get with a pen necessarily. I just looked at my pencil drawer and I have like the most basic, like I don't even know the brand. It's like blue with the black, black tip kind of pencil. <laughs> I love, um, like if, if I'm doing, you know, if I'm not just note taking and doodling and I want to actually draw something in real life with a pen, um, I, uh, I really love Faber Castell. Uh, it's like the, like the blacks are so black. It's just, it's beautiful. And uh, Posca paint markers are a lot of fun too. Yes, they're they are they're really cool. Um, I I really like the multi liners from Copic. They're a little more expensive, but they're very nice. The lines are very crisp, and you can paint over them, and they they don't bleed. They're not water soluble, so they. Oh, cool! Do you ever paint or? I don't. I I want to, but I'm I'm scared. And I'm probably a little too lazy for it. But yeah, I, I think when I'm like, when I'm like 67, I'll be like, okay, it's time to paint. <laughs> There's a specific ear that you're going to paint. Yeah. Yeah. Have it earmarked in the future. I'm just like, there we go. Yeah. Okay. All right. So coffee or tea? Coffee all the time. Uh, dream client? Dream client. Oh, oh, dream client. Dream client's Okay, so I have I have like a real answer for your question, and then I have like my hack answer to your question. So the the real answer would be, I would love to work. 
um, with uh, the gaming studio Bungie. Okay, what do they make? They, I mean, they're, they're probably known for the Halo series. Though I never played Halo, I'm very into <laughs> their other franchise, Destiny. It's it's just such a really fun I game. I remember getting lost so many times in Halo, just <laughs> not knowing where I was. And that was the main struggle of the game for me. I remember just getting destroyed. Just everything looked the same. Ah. I, I haven't played Destiny in, yeah. It is, uh, it, I mean, I'm, I'm super competitive, so I like that aspect of it. But in terms of um, art design and direction and even graphic design, like their, their interface won mm. all kinds of awards because they, they kind of built it like a, like a website versus a traditional gaming interface. Traditional, it's kind of like you just move this highlighted thing around a square menu, but this is like you have a cursor and there's different levels of interactivity. So is this on which platform is this Xbox or um I play on Xbox, but yeah, it's on PlayStation and PC too. But I, I think it'd be super I've never worked on any kind of game thing and this happens to be my favorite game right now. So I, I think it'd be a lot of fun to do that. So that's your dream client? That's your real answer. What's the other answer? That's my that's my real answer. Um the other answer, which is like I'm gonna hack your question and answer it this way, is I think the dream client is no no client, right? Like if <laughs> I was gonna say that I, I kind of knew you were gonna say that. Yeah. Yeah. Like the wouldn't the dream be to make and produce your, For yourself. your own yeah. thing? Yeah. And and make a make a living doing that. Now, I think that's very possible. There there are a lot of um people I admire that that are are doing that kind of thing. Or at least it seems like they are doing that mm-hmm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think to some extent you are too. At this point. Yeah, I mean if I could if I could make a living solely doing that, that'd, that'd be incredible. Not quite there yet. Yeah. Uh favorite book. Favorite book. It doesn't have to be about illustration of, of <laughs> business. Or you could give two separate answers, I guess, and give your, you know, favorite fiction, favorite nonfiction. Yeah. It's, it's up to you. Yeah. So two come to mind right away. Favorite art book is The Art of Ooh. So O O O. Yeah, it's uh, Ooh is the the world and universe that Adventure Time takes place in. Yeah, and that that art book is oh man, there is so much information in there. I can definitely see the influence of Adventure Time on your work, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, okay. you you have like a similar kind of like I don't know friendly kind of like friendly's good. Yeah, I can I can see it. Yeah, that I mean that that book is. I think I bought it for 20 bucks. It's super thick. It's it's a big old hardcover book too. And they Is it about the process of making Adventure Adventure Time or Yeah. Yeah, it's about the the world that they that they built and you know, it talks about a little bit on narrative, but a, a lot on um art direction and you know, um world building. And the, you see everything. You see the initial, you know, scribbles from Penn Ward, and then you see the refinements of that. And then they show you how they break down scenes and backgrounds and characters and like all the all the thinking and process that goes into it. It's it is a dense dense piece of literature and um, well well worth the money. Oh, that sounds really cool. Yeah. So what's the what's the uh, fiction? Uh, the yeah the the narrative fiction book that. Um, I, I really love to read. It's called The Islanders, and it's by Christopher Priest. And it's a it's a strange book in that it's 
it's written like a gazette. So it is not a linear story. It's kind of, I guess you could call them chapters, but it's it's broken up into these like little, little like pieces of story that all make sense at the very end once you've once you've read all of them. They kind of seem like one-off little stories, you know, like an anthology or something. But at the end, all the characters overlap in different ways that you didn't expect and mysteries are kind of unraveled and um and it's like a little it feels real but it's also a little supernatural too there's like some some kind of magic in it too so yeah it's a fun one what's your favorite animated series it's hard not to say the simpsons because that show is so influential on on so many so important yeah yeah how do you feel about disenchantment the new one oh yeah um i remember we we watched probably the first three or four episodes and i really liked it and then i think i just forgot about it <laughs> but I, i didn't i didn't finish um but i remember liking it so now i need to go back and watch is that what you enjoy watching or do you enjoy watching something that's not animation because maybe it feels more like work to you <laughs> no 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 i i love watching animation it's super inspiring i'm like oh that's so good i wish i would have thought of that um yeah like i i think Adventure Time, Gravity Falls is really, really fun too. Bob's Burgers, that's one that people love. Yeah, I don't. Oh yes, thank you. I love it. I, I like it a lot. But I think the storytelling in that is just awesome. Yes, that is a great show. Oh, so so much fun, so much fun. And I I think you know it's it's not my favorite kind of look or animation, but but Archer is really good too. Like. The the writing I I think is what the writing and dialogue is what I I enjoy the most. So favorite thing to draw. Favorite thing to draw, people, characters by by far. Yeah, wouldn't I don't think I'll ever tire of that. That's sometimes the scariest thing to draw when you're starting out because it's complex and it feels like you get a lot of it wrong. Yeah, and you I, you totally can. I think that's the beautiful part too, is because. Um, you know, for me, I, I, I was never good at life drawing. In fact, I was pretty bad. No, no, I don't really know. I mean, most illustrators don't have, you know, a realistic kind of style because illustration, I guess, as a business is more built around a more stylized kind of depiction. But even when you do a stylized character, it can feel awkward and stiff. Like you were talking about before, it's a real art to pose your characters in a way that's kind of realistic but not doesn't feel too derivative yeah but it's literally it's like kind of figuratively and literally striking a balance so if they're, if they're standing there you don't want them to look like they're going to fall over like you want to know where their weight is being you know um where their weight is but sometimes although i i do like characters to look kind of awkward <laughs> in a way that's an art in itself they look a little bit strange like i don't know i love strange characters yeah So what's your least favorite thing to draw? Least favorite thing? Um, fingers. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that's yeah. probably everyone's answer. Hands, fingers. Hands I'm okay with. I can I can draw pretty good gloves, but like getting the right finger articulation and trying to again, trying to find that balance where I'm like, how thick should they be? How long should they be? Should it be three or four? Like it's yeah, it's tough. I yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I like drawing hands now just because I've found a way that I like drawing them, but they're n by no means realistic. Oh, that's good. You've, you've won. Yeah, you did it. Congrats. <laughs> Los Angeles or New York? LA. 
Uh, yeah, I, I grew up here, so. Yeah? Yeah. Favorite way to unwind? Probably somewhere between uh, cooking and playing video games. <laughs> uh, those could be, this couldn't be any more different, but yeah, that's, that's where I kind of chill out the most, I think. Yeah, very last one. Uh-huh. Based on that answer, I guess, what's what are your favorite video games? Because I play a little bit of the Switch, but I'm not familiar with like the Xbox as much. Oh, cool. What do you play on Switch? Uh, just like Zelda. I like the new Zelda. Beautiful game. Yeah. Um, I Let's see. Right now, I've, yeah, I've been playing a lot of Destiny 2. I, I don't know. I, I love the, the universe and the, the gameplay and everything. And it has... It's kind of cool. It's like an RPG, so you can kind of just go out and explore the world freely on your own and do things. And then they also have a competitive PvP aspect where it's, yeah, it's like, dare I say, Call of Duty, where you can kind of go and fight against other people. I love that balance. All right. So, I mean, I want to be respectful of your time. So, yeah, I think we're, we've already gone over. So thanks so much for being on the show oh yeah absolutely thank you very much for the opportunity to be on the show and there you are here was my conversation with greg gunn if you like the podcast or even if you didn't like it you can leave me a comment in itunes or wherever else you get your podcasts you can also shoot me an email the email for the show is illustration hour podcast at gmail.com or you can find me on instagram and dm me and remember to subscribe and download episodes in your podcast player of choice it really helps the show and it helps me continue to do what i'm trying to do so if you want more content like this please subscribe and share with your friends thank you